Will you bow your heads in prayer with me? God, we thank you for this day. And God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our God and maker. Amen. Today, we are starting a new sermon series called Shape uh, by Eric Ries. Uh, this book was written so that uh, we can not only discover our gifts, but understand that each one of us is shaped by God uh, for a bigger purpose. At the end of the sermon series, I hope in uh, my desire is that each one of you realizes that we are called to serve our community, that each one of us realizes that we have the power to make an impact and influence our community. Uh, and um, at the end, some of you would come to me and say, you know what, Pastor, I'd like to serve God here. I would like to do this for God's kingdom. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at this acronym called SHAPE. Uh, it stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Abilities, Personality, and Experiences. So each week, we're going to explore a certain section uh, of this statement and look at not only the inventory that God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, uh, but also we're going to be looking at who God created us to be. So this morning's uh, sermon title is Why God Shaped You the way God did. When you create something, right? When you create something, when you paint something, when you write a poem, when you discover that you've written something or done something or built something, there's a little spark that comes inside us, right? We have that little smile, like, oh, I did that. You know, and we, and as adults, as we grow older and older, uh, we kind of forget that. A little bit. We try to either diminish that aspect or we try to self-deprecate ourselves. Anyone want to join the club with me of self-deprecation? All right, I'm going to start a support group for that, right? I'm sorry that I said that again. I'm self-deprecating. There you go. All right, so, right? <laughs> right? Like we just, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Ah, oh, I could have done it. Oh, that's a beautiful meal that you made. Like, ah, oh, no, it's, no, I should have. Like, right? We just don't ever take credit for that. There was this one summer um, in my previous church. Uh, the church didn't have a lot of financial resources, and the basement got flooded. In uh, that summer, um, I decided to put, lay the floor down myself. I don't know why. I just went to a wholesale dealer, bought all the supplies, and every waking moment, I was putting that floor. I was doing my job as a pastor. Every spare minute I had, I would be down in the basement on my knees, putting the floor down. It was kind of like a pergo floor. You, you know what I'm talking about? Those planks that go along and all that. And I put this floor down, and it was a hot summer day, and something happened, and I couldn't recover. Uh, I made one mistake. And I recovered a little bit, but it was glaring at me. Every time I walked into the room, the first thing I saw was that misplaced tile. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't stand it. And I couldn't do anything about it, right? I feel like sometimes we need to look at it from a kid's perspective to kind of see the joy of creating something. Uh, the other day, uh, Josiah came home from school all excited, saying that he has something in his book bag. And usually, I know this routine of my son. When he's excited about something, he talks a mile a minute, and he's so excited, he just can't stop talking. And usually, if, he's, if it's in the book bag, 
and he's excited about it. I know it's going to cost me money because Pendelka School District likes to <laughs> exploit <laughs> their clientele sometimes, right? Parents, you've been there, <laughs> right? Right, so he was excited, and I was like, I was, I was like, okay, I know what's coming. And then, and then, Josiah pulls this out. Say, Dad, look at this. Dad, look at this. Dad, do you know what this is? This is a plain old coffee filter. And look what I did. Look what I did, Dad. Just, just look at it. And he was showing me all the different color patterns. Can you see them? And he's like, Dad, look at that. Look at that color pattern. Look how amazing this is. Dad, seriously, this is just a plain old coffee filter, like the coffee filter that you drink in the morning. That's what this is. But look what I did. Look what I did. And I was so excited that he was excited. I was like, tell me more. And he's like, oh, Dad, look at this color and look at this color. And then, Dad, look, I put a string on it and I made another pattern. Can you all see the string? Can you all say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? I mean, th th this is my son. I'm proud of it. And, you know, in a couple of days, I'm going to be throwing this out. I mean, I'm not leaving this place trying to find an art dealer to put it, to place it in a museum, right? right? Because Pendelco is going to be sending me a lot more stuff. <laughs> but my son was excited. He was excited about this. He was so excited. Dad, look what I did. Look at the shades of color. Look, Dad, I used a string. Dad, look. Dad, look. Friends, I want to read our scripture that we read this morning again to you. But I want you to hear it from two perspectives. I want to read the scripture. I want you to hear it from two perspectives. The first perspective I want you to hear from is a perspective of the creator. And the second perspective I want to hear is a perspective that Jeremiah comes to what God is calling him to do. Jeremiah is living in an, a town called Judah. It's a, it's, a, it's a town called Jerusalem. It's in the region of Judah. He's called to be a prophet uh, in the southern kingdom. And this is what we read. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, don't do not say, I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. How does Jeremiah view himself here? Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. The minute God called Jeremiah to do something, his first words out of his mouth are, I am too young and I cannot talk. I am too young and I cannot talk. Those are his first words. If I had to like a little bit embellish a little bit and think about the conversation that might have taken place between God and Jeremiah behind the scenes, 
it would sound something like this. God, are you sure you're talking to me? Are you sure? You want me to do what? I'm living in Judah right now, the region of Judah. It's in a lot of political turmoil. Are you sure you want me to be the one who goes out and declares these words to them in the midst of political uncertainty? Are you sure? Think about it, God. Why, why don't you go directly go talk to the king, the king of Judah, Amon? You know him. Just go talk to him. I'm sure it'll be fine. He seems like a good guy. Better yet, God, why don't you go talk to my dad? You know him. His name is Hilkiah. He's a priest. He preaches every Sunday. He'll do the job. If you don't want to go to my dad, why don't you go talk to some of his other friends who are priests? I'm sure they'll do a bang-up job. See, these are powerful words that God is saying to Jeremiah. And the first thing Jeremiah focuses on is what he lacks I am too young. I am not good at speaking. The question that we begin to ponder this morning is how is it that we are viewing ourselves? How is it that you view yourself? If God were to show up today, speak to you in an audible voice, or maybe in the silence of your heart, maybe with that little nudge, how would you respond to God's call? What is it that you might say to God? Even though we are quick to talk about our shortcomings, but the way God sees us is completely different. The way God views Jeremiah is completely different. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before... I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet. God chose Jeremiah even before he was formed in the womb. God said, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Even before he started to crawl, even before he started to talk, even before he was a toddler. I love these words. God already appointed him to be a prophet without any qualifications. God chose Jeremiah not because... Jeremiah had a huge resume that was built up. In the world that we live today, that's what we focus on, right? Our resumes. We tell people how good we are for the next job and how well we've done in the past. But friends, here God is calling Jeremiah without any qualifications. God is saying, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have appointed you to do something. What has God created me for? What has God created you for? What has God appointed you for? What is God calling you to do today? What is, where is God calling you to serve? Are you quick to say, God, not me? I'm not really sure. You need to look elsewhere. Each and every one of us is called to serve. As believers in Jesus Christ, we believe that we are called to save, serve our community and our neighbors. What has God appointed you to do today? Eric Ries calls this appointment by God your kingdom purpose. 
the unique thing that God is calling you to do. Yes, we can use our professions to continue to build God's purpose, but sometimes God might be nudging you to do something more that only you can do. The kingdom purpose. The kingdom purpose looks like mentoring somebody. The kingdom purpose looks like saying, all right, I'm going to show up Sunday nights for youth group and be a youth group leader and show God's unconditional love to these young people. The kingdom purpose might show like I've been reading in the bulletin for the past five weeks saying that they need a Sunday school teacher. All right, sign me up. I'll do it. The kingdom purpose might be I'm going to go serve on the board of a nonprofit so that my skills and experience can be used. Friends, what is your kingdom purpose? And your kingdom purpose has nothing to do with your age. This sermon is not for those in their 20s. This sermon is not for those who are in their 30s or 40s. This sermon is for everyone. God is calling you. God is looking at you and saying, I have a kingdom purpose for you. When we say yes to God's kingdom purpose, it can be scary for certain because we don't know the next step, what it looks like. But I want to repeat the promise that God gave Jeremiah. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I want to end our meditation today by with these uh, words from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesians, and God, and he is calling each one of us that we are God's handiwork. The Greek word for handiwork uh, is poema. Poema means God's masterpiece. God created each one of us as a masterpiece. Each one of us is unique. We are different. We are complex. You are one of a kind. Are you willing to see yourself as a masterpiece created by God for good works? Let me repeat that. Are you willing to see yourself that way? That God created you to be a masterpiece, unique. I wonder how God sees each one of us. My son Josiah was so excited about just putting some paint on a simple coffee filter and kept repeatedly saying, Dad, look, Dad, look, Dad, look. As Christians, we confess in the Trinity, right? We confess that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one, this is a mystery. And it cannot be explored this morning. We cannot, we're going to spend another four hours here. Right? We do. We, do. we hold that to be true in our lives. And when we read the Gospels, that kind of becomes evident. We see conversations, this, the, the, uh, the conversations between, the, between God the Father and Son. Like, you remember that prayer? Father, if this, 
if you are willing, take this cup away from me, right? You see Jesus, the Son of God, talking to his Father. And then in the other places in the Gospel, we read that Jesus went away to go and spend time with his Father to talk to him, to commune with him. This is something that we, we take for granted, that we, we know this to be true. We hold this to be true. I wonder this morning, I wonder what conversations God might be having with Jesus. I wonder what he might be saying. He might be saying, look, look at her. I created her. She is beautiful. She is wonderful. Look at all the gifts I gave her. Look, look, Jesus, look, look at her. Isn't she pretty? Look at him. I created him. I gave him all those gifts. Like, I wonder what excitement God might have over each one of us when he looks at you and says, wow, look at that. Look at that. The question to ask ourselves is, do we see ourselves the way God is seeing us? God is like ooing and eyeing over his creation, over you. Are we willing to see ourselves that way? When you see yourself in the mirror, do you see God's masterpiece looking back at you? God's masterpiece that God created, that God took time to craft you because it's a masterpiece. There are no duplicates. And it's looking back at you. And this masterpiece was created for good works. Are you willing to see that? Uh, Brene Brown uh, wrote this book called Braving the Wilderness. It's a really good book. If you're looking for a good read, I would highly recommend this book. The impetus for this book, uh, it's all about a quest for true belonging and the courage to stand alone. It's, uh, the impetus for this book, um, uh, for Brene Brown, comes uh, from an interview that took place between Bill Moyers and Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou, as many of you know, is an incredible poet in her own right. And Maya Angelou had this conversation with Bill Ma Moyers. And this is what she said about who she is. She said, I'm concerned about how I look at Maya, Maya Angelou, talking about her in the third person. I'm concerned about how I look at Maya. I like Maya very much. I like the humor and the courage very much. See, when you first read this quote by Maya Angelou, you might think that she's a little full of herself. But then when you begin to learn about her story, you begin to understand that Maya Angelou was a deeply committed Christian. She was grounded in her faith and she understood that she is a child of God. When you have that understanding and you begin to see her words, you begin to see that Maya Angelou saw herself as God's masterpiece. She saw herself as God is ooing and eyeing over her and saying, wow, look at my Angelo. 
And she believes in the depths of our heart that she is a masterpiece. Friends, this morning I want to invite you. I want to invite you to see yourself as a masterpiece. That God created you for good works. I like put your name there very much. I like the way you do certain things very much. Are you willing to see yourself as God's masterpiece? Because that's how God sees you. Let us pray.